Holy Spirit in the same way that you came upon the people so many years ago in the temple courts. We know that you are with us even now. So we ask that you would illumine our minds, illumine our eyes, and help us to see you, that you are here. And then help us learn to live our lives in a way that is attuned to your purpose, that your kingdom may come on earth, even as it is in heaven. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In Christ's name, amen. Well, so much has gone on in the news in the last week. I had a a different opening uh, to start, but I think I'd like to share a little bit about what's going on in my own heart these days right now. As I, as I look at the, um, the news, I, I can't help but think of John 10.10, where Jesus said, the evil one comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I, Jesus, I've come that you might have life and might have it Abundantly, You know, killing, stealing, and destroying is something that I, I, I just see throughout all the news, and I'm sure you do too. I see it on the national level as, uh, as those with power treat those without power unjustly and the response that flows from that. I see it in the way that just a change in skin tone and color can cause divisions among people. I see it on the global level as... COVID-19 decimates populations of under-resourced nations that are neighbors to us just to the south, shattering the lives of those it leaves in its wake. And I see it in the way that many just are not even concerned about what's going on because it doesn't impact them. And then I see the, the killing, stealing, and destroying taking place on a personal level for all of us. It's not just the national stuff, it's not just the global stuff, but it's the personal stuff too, right? I mean, look at this, we, we've been under quarantine and home arrest, <laughs> I didn't think about that till just now, home arrest, uh, for so long now, you've got, you got your kids underfoot, or maybe you're feeling so alone, or you're so tired of having an office in your bedroom, I mean, the stress is coming on us, and so I thought about that today, and I, I, what I want to talk about is something that relates to us as individuals, but also to us as a people around the world. It's a hidden reality we all carry. And it's something that squirts out of us when the pressure's on, when the stress is on. So let's talk a little bit about it, but as far as how it relates to, uh, to our own personal lives, okay? When the stress is on and, and we're feeling it, we tend to find ways to cope with that stress, don't we? Some of us tend to cope with it uh, emotionally. So we, we go into our inner world and there's all kinds of turmoil going on in the inside. We, uh, we find ourselves fighting against things, fighting against the deepening of depression or fighting against the rising of anger and anger that does not accomplish God's righteous purposes. Some of us, when the stress is on, we tend to take it out relationally. And so we fight against a growing impatience with other people. Or we may end up finding that our volume is increasing in many of our conversations as what could be just a conversation turns into an argument. And some of us, I think, deal and cope with the stress of all that's going on around us in very quiet ways. And so it's seen in the way we try to numb the pain by uh, the number of hours we spend streaming entertainment on our TVs and screens, the kind of food we eat, the amount of alcohol we drink, or how we view pornography online. You see, 
When it comes right down to it, COVID's arrival and all these circumstances in our lives have brought changes that have brought stress, but, but those things are not COVID's fault. It's not the circumstances' fault. The circumstances around us are just the catalyst that, that spark the emotional feelings, that spark the relational tensions and the choices we make. In the end, our, our circumstances aren't the issue. The issue is actually spiritual. In some ways, we're, we're all kind of like asymptomatic COVID patients, aren't we? We're, we're, we're all kind of walking around with a hidden reality. We, we feel okay, we feel like everything's all right, but we're walking around with an evil embedded in us, and we are oblivious to the damage we can do on other people, and we're not aware. The Bible teaches that we are all carrying a hidden reality. It's one that we have a hint that it's there, but we hope it's not. Or we hope it's not as bad as it could be. In Psalm 19, the last couple of verses of Psalm 19 talk about it as our hidden faults and our willful sins. Now think about this with me for a little bit, okay? Hidden faults. These are the sinful tendencies we have that are either hidden from us or hidden to us. If they're hidden from us, we don't even see them, right? I'm not a prideful person. I don't have any racial bias. I'm, I'm a good person, basically. Not much is wrong with me. It's hidden from us. But our hidden faults can also be hidden to us as well. If it's hidden to us, then, then we see it, we acknowledge it exists, but we, but we think, you know, we conclude that it's somewhat good, or at very worst, neutral. And so in that kind of thing, if I don't raise my voice, express anger, and make demands of other people, then people don't do the right things, and good things don't get done, so what I do is a good thing. If I don't drive myself so hard, I don't become a better Christian. These things are hidden to us. So there are hidden faults, but there's also these things called our willful sins. And this is really interesting. A willful sin, the psalmist says, rule over us. We know that they're there. We don't like them. And we can't stop them. And so the explosion happens, or this this spiral that goes downward just kind of goes on to autopilot and we say and feel and do things that we don't want to say, feel, and do, but we do them anyway. And in some cases, the willful sins are rationalized away. And you can hear people say things like, it's just the way I am, take me or leave me. I've got to be who I've got to be. These things... Willful sins and hidden faults, these things are a spiritual problem that we cannot overcome. The Bible says it's evil in us, and it calls it our sinful nature. This sinful nature is something that is very real. It's evil that is in us. It is hidden from us, and we are powerless to conquer it. Now, it's fascinating because Paul in Romans chapter 7 talks about this, and I'm going to read a passage for there in just a moment. But the passage I'm going to read has been debated for a long while as to when Paul is talking about. Is he talking about a time prior to his conversion to Christ, prior to the time that the Holy Spirit began to indwell him, or is he talking about a time in his life that is after the Holy Spirit began to indwell him? I've looked at this pretty intensively, and I'm convinced he's talking about life after the Holy Spirit begins to indwell him. As I read, follow along with me, in Romans chapter 7, beginning with verse 21... And notice the fact that it is in the present tense, and listen to how it connects with your own life experience. Paul is writing from the New Living Translation here. 
I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart. Now, here's an interesting thing. Heart and mind are really synonymous here. I'll talk about that in a minute, but listen to how it connects. I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. You see, as much as we don't like to admit it, Scripture teaches that we each carry a resident evil inside of us. And that evil is possible of doing things that are just horrible, that just shock us. And we don't like to feel that. And in our culture, we don't think that's so. We, we tend to think that there's a few people who are really, really bad, but most of us are not too bad. Most of us are kind of good. But Paul shatters that out of the water. I mean, Paul was a great guy. Look at what he did. Look at the people he knew. Look at the, the way that he gave his life for others. And yet, what he says about himself says that he really wasn't all that good. Let me go back to verse 14 in chapter 7 and listen to what Paul says. Again, notice it's in the present tense. He's talking about his life right then. He says, I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. The painful truth is that each and every one of us possesses a horrible evil living inside of us. The scripture calls it our sinful nature. The evil is real, it is hidden from us, and it's hidden from others. Now, how do you begin to see something that's hidden in the dark? You just shine a light on it, right? I think it was C.S. Lewis who, who once said, ask Hitler if he's a bad man and he'll say no. Ask Lincoln if he's a bad man, and he'll say, to a great degree, yes. And I remember as a young Christian, I think it was like in the 80s, um, I was listening to an inter interview with Billy Graham, and the interview asked him, he said, Billy, when you look into your heart, what do you see? And I remember this, without hesitation, Billy Graham leaned forward, looked the guy in the eye, and he said, the deepest blackness. What? Billy Graham? The deepest blackness? What's going on here? You see, there's a reason why dentists use really bright lights to work on your mouth. It's because the stuff that's there that shouldn't be there, the disease and the things that need to be brought out and taken care of so that you can be cured, they hide in the dark. And they require light to be seen. So the closer we come to the God who is light, the more we become aware of the evil that actually resides in us as our sinful nature. I mean, this is really what happened to the Apostle Paul. I mean, he, he gives us a beautiful picture of it on his road to Damascus. Remember, he is persecuting the church. At that point, he's called himself Saul. He is persecuting the church. He's on his way to Damascus. A bright light comes down around him. He has a vision of Christ, Jesus revealing himself to Saul as God Almighty. And Jesus says to Saul, 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 why do you persecute me? 
And with that, light went into Saul's heart. You can imagine the things he's thinking about. He's thinking, wait a minute. Do you mean to tell me that the zeal I have for your law is actually totally misapplied and I'm actually fighting against the one I'm trying to honor? Do you mean that all the merit I've been trying to accumulate for myself is being deposited to my account as shame? Really? Can you feel the, the dismay? Can you feel the shock? Now, now, most of us don't have this, boom, this bright light thing that happens to us, but, but most of us, I have found, tend to grow into it gradually as we learn to listen to the Holy Spirit. Well, that's what my experience was over the years. I mean, get this, I was seven years into seeking to earnestly follow Jesus when the light began to dawn in the darker corners of my heart. And at first, it was just kind of interesting and revealing and thought-provoking. I thought, really? You mean that the determination and drive that I've had in my life, all my life, is nothing more than misapplied anger? And that that anger is not accomplishing God's righteous purposes? And that my anger may actually be damaging my relationship with the new wife that I have now? Really? And then as, as the light continued to grow into deeper, darker places, I, I began to get a little shocked by it. I began to see in one case how my desire to help Anne, my wife, become a better person. And right now, some of you are laughing right now. Yeah, but this is where I was, okay? <laughs> how, how my desire to help my wife become a better person was nothing more than, than my desire to make a world that was fit well for me. I mean, I thought that I was doing this out of love for my wife, but I was really doing it out of love for me. My motivation, which I thought was honorable, was now shown to be absolutely horrible and heinous. And I was devastated. You mean, am I really this bad? Am I really this messed up? I mean, what's going on with me? And, and then it would just continue. You mean to tell me that my drive for a high GPA is actually my desire to protect myself from shame? You mean to tell me that all this work that I do to come in under budget and on time is all about just simply vainglory and wanting people to feel good about me? You mean the way I live my life is actually nothing but pride? And how I think that I've got to control everything or it won't work out right? In fact, I've got to be my own savior? Really? I mean, it was just fascinating, but, but I just, I, 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 how do I stop this madness? The more light that Jesus shed into my heart, the more I saw that I was powerless to do anything against it because it was just overwhelming. And the more light he shed, the more I began to see that this is hopeless. And it would be hopeless if not for one thing, the gospel. Okay, so here's a quick summary of where we are, okay? So scripture teaches that evil is real and we each carry it in ourselves and it's called the sin nature and it is capable of doing some pretty bad stuff. It is hidden. It is hidden from us. It's hidden to us. And... It is the kind of thing that, that begins to squirt out when the pressure is on. So when things aren't going our way, when difficulties arise, when the job is lost, when the conversation gets hot and the argument happens, when finances are tight, when circumstances go against us, that's when that which is hidden makes itself more readily known. 
we also know that we are powerless to do anything against it. And when we try to fight against it personally, it only gets stronger and things only get worse. I actually had half a page of extra stuff on this, which we don't have time to go into, but it's fascinating. It only gets stronger, it only gets worse. Uh, evil is real, it lives in us, it's hidden. We cannot conquer it on our own. Jesus Christ is the only source of hope and help that we have. So how does this play out where we are right now? How is, how is it possible that Paul could be a follower of Jesus Christ and yet speak these words? How is it possible that we could be feeling these same things? Well, I, I think it could be explained by looking at the fact that we live in an interim period. Uh, the theologians say the kingdom of God is already present, but not yet fully realized, which means that there is already some things that we are seeing in the kingdom of God that are making a difference in this world, but there are things that we are still waiting to see happen. We know that already the Holy Spirit has come. Pentecost, bam, came into us, lives inside of us, has changed us, has made us new. And because of the Holy Spirit, we no longer are living under the power of sin or the penalty of sin. But we know that what hasn't come yet is the redemption of our bodies. And so we still live with the presence of sin. Now, until Jesus comes to redeem our bodies, to make us fully new, and at the same time redeem all of creation, by the way, read Romans chapter 8, verses 18 and following, phenomenal stuff. Until Jesus comes to do that, we will continue to have to live in this interim period. And Paul in Galatians chapter 5 tells us how we do that. He says, while we live in this interim period, we live by the Spirit so that we do not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. It's interesting, but while we are in this interim period, you and I tend to fight this battle that we have with the evil, the sin nature in us, with the means that we've learned from the world around us, you know? But something phenomenal happened when we came to faith in Jesus Christ. It totally changed the way we can, we can affront this battle. It changed the kingdom we fight in. It changed the, uh, the methods that we use. It changed the weapons that we have. It changed the terms of conflict. And ultimately, it changed the result of this conflict. You see, when the bright light of God's Spirit shines into the dark corners of our lives, it changes our, the way we approach things. Because we realize we're, we're no longer in the courtroom, right? We no longer have to defend ourselves against accusation. The, the judge's gavel has already come down, pronounced us forgiven, and set us free. So when the evil in us, when the sin nature in us squirts out and harms other people, we can ask forgiveness, make things right, make restitution where we've got to make that. But then when it comes to God, we can live in the freedom that he's given, that the shame is gone because of Christ, the guilt is gone because of Christ, and the relationship with God is eternal now because of Christ. Now what happens is when our sin nature flares up, uh, many times, at least the struggle I have had for years, when my sin nature flares up, I think, there it goes again. It's the 60th time this month. Nothing has changed. But nothing could be further from the truth. I am totally wrong. Everything has changed. Because what used to be a battle that I could not win has now become a battle that I cannot lose. Because in Christ, you and I are no longer relying on our own ability, our own strength, our own wisdom relying on the only hope of Christ. And we see that sin nature in us, when we expand that out to the sin nature that's in each person around the world, we recognize what is the solution, what is the source to the violence, what is the source to all these things going on. Somehow, in some way, it can only be found in Jesus Christ. 
The same thing that's true for us is the same thing that's true for the world. This is a victory that is certain. So our first job is, to fight the, is not to fight the sin nature, because that battle's already won, right? Our first job, then, is to embrace the Spirit and to seek the Spirit's help in living out the life He has already given us with the resources we have already received. They're not all there yet, but it's a down payment guaranteeing the rest will come. Let's go back to Galatians chapter 5. Let me read the full text for you, okay? Galatians 5, verse 16 and following. Paul says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Let the Holy Spirit guide you. Embrace Him, right? The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are op the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Salvation brings us the Spirit into our lives and gives us the ability to attune our lives with what the Spirit wants. So embrace the Spirit. Live according to His desire. And watch what happens. Now, I, I'm not talking about methods here. I, what I'm talking about is, is what the Apostle Paul says, renewing the mind. And anytime we want to try to renew the mind so that we begin to see things like God sees them, think the way that He thinks, feel the way that He feels, we want to renew that mind. And the way, the way that play begins is with uh, our picture of who God is. Think with me for a moment of Jesus. We've talked about Jesus before. He is the picture of God because he is God. If you want to see what's on God's heart, simply look to Jesus. Of all the scripture that he spoke, because every word out of his mouth was scripture, of all the scripture that he spoke, there's one verse where Jesus tells us what he is like in his inner being, what he actually is like. And I'm so glad Matthew recorded it for us in Matthew chapter 11. Jesus is giving a, um, an invitation. He says, come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, think about how weary and burdened we are. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. That's what his heart is, gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He is gentle and humble in heart. At the very center of who he is is gentleness and humility. What picture do you have of God? When you think of God, do you think of a, a stoic judge who is ready to bang, bang the gavel down without concern about the people he's bringing a judgment on? Do you think about a stern father who just wants what he wants when he wants and is demanding his way? Do you think about a, um, a loving grandfather who winks at you and turns his back when you're doing something naughty? Or do you think maybe of a disinterested deity who got everything started but it doesn't really care how it turns out? Or, or maybe you think of something else. Whatever picture God is, think about that picture for a moment and then describe what is the expression on his face when he thinks about you? And what's the expression on his face when the evil squirts out from you again? 
Is his expression one of gentleness and humility? One of welcoming you into his rest? According to Jesus' own words, that's what he's doing. Even when the residing evil, even when the sin nature flares up again for the 160th time, his expression and his welcome does not change. Right now, some people are feeling a little radically shaken. Wait, how can that be? Let's talk about what your picture of God is because that's the first step in renewing the mind. Jesus already knows you. He knows your weakness, and he loves and accepts you as you are, as if you've always done everything right. So rather than try to fight against the sin nature, what if we embraced his spirit? Rather than say, I'm going to try harder, I'm not going to fail again, what if we said, God, thank you. Thank you for providing all I need. You are my only hope. Help me see what you see know what you know and to live as you would have me to live our hope is in christ alone but what does that mean see it's at this point in the message that i could uh, i could lay out all kinds of great spiritual disciplines we could do right i could give the seven steps for embracing the spirit i could talk about the, the the things we can do every day to draw near the lord but if i did that i i think i'd be doing us a disservice because we're not here to save ourselves. Christ is the one to save us. Our only hope is in Christ. So what does that mean, and how does that play out in our lives? Well, I think what we need to do is follow what the Scripture says and talk about it. The Apostle Paul says, work out your salvation. How do we work out our salvation? We need to talk about this thing, what this means, in community with others. So my task today is to encourage you, talk about what you've heard with someone that you know and care about, another follower of Christ. Maybe it's your spouse, maybe it's a spiritual friend, maybe it's your grow group, maybe it's an adult learning community, but get together with them and talk about it and, and begin by considering, actually knowing what is said in the scriptures. What does the scripture say about this already and not yet kingdom? And what does that, what does that mean? How do you know what it means? So, so take it and know it. And then let it consider what it means for you, okay? In community, talk about what it is so you can know it. And then in community, talk about what it is so you can apply it, consider it in your own life. Because the application is going to be different for each of us, right? It's going to be different for the healthcare worker, different for the single person, different for the, the married person, different for the caregiver. How we apply these principles, these biblical truths, is something that God wants to do in our own realm, in our own part of this, this world. So, so spend time in community knowing it, spend time in community considering how to apply it, and then encourage each other as you seek to, to live it, to yield yourselves to it throughout the different arenas of your life. So today, we've heard a general biblical truth about the hidden presence of sin in all of our lives. It's real. We have a sin nature, and that sin nature is capable of doing some pretty heinous things. It is real. It is hidden. It's hidden in many ways from us and to us. Uh, it is something that we cannot conquer on our own, and our only hope is in Jesus Christ. So take time and talk about what does that mean? And how do we fight against this? And how do we learn to live in a way in community that helps one another to, to do that? Now, if you don't have someone to talk to with it, I invite you to join with me and a bunch of friends, about 25, 30 of us that meet after each service online <laughs> in an adult learning community. 
Uh, we gather and we're going to talk about these things, and then we gather together to talk about them in small groups and then in large groups. Um, and all you need to do is just email me, ryman, R-E-Y-M-A-N, at covenantepc.org, and I'll send you a link today. I'll check the email just before I go in uh, into the meeting, into the gathering, and uh, if, you've, if you've sent me something, I will send you the link, and you could, you're welcome to join us, or simply send me something over the week, and I'll be happy to include you in the outgoing list so that the distribution list includes your name, and you can join us next Sunday. That would be fantastic. You see, only those who draw near to the light learn the reality of what is hidden in the darkness inside. They are the ones who know their true condition, and they are the ones who know their only hope. Would you please pray with me? Oh, what miserable people we are, Lord Jesus. Who will free us from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God that the answer is in you, Jesus Christ our Lord, the one who is gentle, the one who is lowly of heart, for you alone are the one who saves us. Lord, we thank you for the way that you are here always. You never leave us, you never forsake us. That your kingdom is indeed coming into this world, and we wait with eager anticipation for how it will be fully brought to bear one day. And because we're, your spirit is here as a down payment, guaranteeing it's going to come. This means that no matter what pressures may come our way, no matter what struggles we may face, no matter what shocking or hidden faults may be in our own lives or in this world, you gently and humbly welcome us into your presence. Because our hope is in you alone, it always can be and always will be well with our souls.
Well, before we conclude today, I want to offer an update on some of the plans and thinkings we have as to when we're going to uh, reopen the building and resume gatherings for worship here in the sanctuary on Sunday morning. You may remember a couple of weeks ago in a video message David shared that the earliest possible date that we might be able to have some of us gather together for worship in the sanctuary would be June 14th, which is just two weeks away. Uh, and that it's likely that we're not going to be able to hit that particular marker. Well, I want to confirm that we are not going to be hitting that particular marker this time through. We're not going to resume worship in the sanctuary on June 14th. And we have not yet landed on a date when that might take place. So let me tell you what we are doing, because there's a lot of moving parts to this behind the scenes. First of all, we are actively gathering information from other churches across the country, learning from them about their best practices and what they have done, because each church is in a different and unique situation in these uncharted waters. We're also developing a list of possible worship options, such as outdoor services for everyone to gather, maybe on Slater Hill or some other public area where we could be properly socially distanced, or maybe some kind of micro service where we could have some people in here to join with us for the live stream service. We're looking at all the different options we can think about. And then we're looking at all the different ministries as well as to when we can begin to open the campus. And one of the great blessings of Covenant is that there are a group that we're calling our medical advisory team, and they're helping us through this, to think through from a scientific and medical standpoint, what are the best methods, what's the best processes to go through. And they're looking at and helping us figure out how we can make these decisions in a way that's safe and healthy for everyone. And finally, because I heard about this kind of off to the side, I want to conf uh, confirm that we're going to continue live streaming our worship services as we actively look forward to ways to improve the experience, all right? We've been live streaming services for years, and we are certainly going to continue to live stream our services even after COVID is in the rearview mirror. So again, we're not going to be gathering on June 14th, but we do remain committed to finding a way to get together as soon as we can and as soon as it's healthy and wise to do so. We're always going to be communicating this, so we will let you know on any updates. You're not going to miss the date because we're going to be getting that word out when that word does come out. And in the meantime, it's an opportunity for all of us to be in prayer for the leaders of our governments and of our churches that God would give us wisdom in how to do this and he would give all of us patience as we wait for him in these uncharted times. Finally, if you have yet to see Pastor David's short video helping us navigate Covenant's re-entry into, uh, uh, into life after COVID, I would invite you to take a look at that. It's on our blog page on our own website. It's on Facebook. Or if you simply stick around for a little bit longer, uh, after the QR codes come up, uh, we're going to run that video for you. So if you just hang tight, you'll be able to see that again. It's just a five-minute video. And kids, remember, Promotion Sunday was today. Congratulations. Well done, you guys. Looking forward to a new year in your new grade to come. And here's the benediction from uh, Romans chapter 15. And now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And all God's people around the world said, Amen.